There we go. Well, my whole first sentence is completely shot because I was going to introduce myself. Thanks, Jim. Um, you know, it's funny when maybe three years ago, Mariah, is that too loud? Um, was uh, in our missional community. And the first week, she's like, I'm pretty quiet, so I probably won't say much. Um, you know, and for her to be up here speaking and saying something and worshiping, that, that's just awesome to me. Um, you know, I like science. My mind works in a more kind of logic-based way. Um, when I'm reading the Bible, if I read passages A, B, and C that are kind of related, it leads me to a conclusion of what my response should be and what I should do. Um, that's kind of how I feel about today's message. Uh, there's going to be a lot of passages that I hope you see the points to a logical conclusion. Uh, all of the passages have multiple truths and probably could be multiple uh, sermons just on each of those passages. Um, but I'm using each of those points to our topic this morning, which is of giving. Uh, I am the treasurer for the church, and uh, as such, um, I keep track of giving. And it's not giving so that, like, we're big brother keeping our thumb and our... And, um, on top of all of you to say, oh, you got to give. And we don't send letters out to people and stuff like that. Um, one of the reasons we do is for tax purposes. Um, recently, um, I kind of looked a little bit deeper in kind of the trends of our giving. The last couple months, giving has been down, and so we wanted to look at that. Um, so sometimes there are hard things that need to be talked about, and today um, might be that day for some of you. Um, and I do want to give a disclaimer that myself and a couple of the elders are the ones that do all the counting, so it's uh, very discreet, and it's not something that, that we publicize and, and publish. Um, Jim and the rest of the staff don't have any knowledge of what people give, and really I'm the only one that kind of looks at the totals. Um, and I don't do that very often. I, I very rarely do it. Usually at the end of the year when I have to send out giving statements. Um, but this time I did. Um, and some of the trends were a little bit worrying, um, which is kind of the reason why I'm up here today. Um, I don't know everyone that comes here. A lot of times I'm down in Kidsman, so I, I haven't been up here, especially the last few months, very often. Um, and I don't know... Who calls Gerald their church home? What I do know is the number of partners we have. And so I looked at our partners and how many of the partners are giving regularly. It, it doesn't really matter amounts. Um, I looked at how much, how much you gave in terms of time. Do you give weekly, monthly, once a year? Not at all. Um, and what I found made me sad and disappointed. Um, overall, partners gave... Regularly, it was about 50%. Um, some partners have not been coming regularly since the pandemic. Um, so Jim kind of gave me a list of partners that were on the list that haven't really been coming too much. And so when I looked at the numbers again, 30% of our partners do not give, um, which is better than 50, but it, it's sadly, it's not a great statistic. Partners at Jericho Road Church are supposed to be exactly what the title says, partners. We want, partner, we want to partner with Christians to live out the gospel here at Jericho Road. 
Um, our goal is to reach, equip, send. Um, we want to partner with Christians to live out the gospel in everything that we do. Uh, it's probably not too culturally acceptable uh, to say what I'm about to say, but I feel like I have to say it anyways. We are failing. More than failing, we are sinning. Partners that are not giving regularly, you are sinning. If you claim you are a Christian and following Jesus Christ, and you are not giving regularly, you are sinning. You know, that's not, that's not something we throw out lightly, and it's not something that we hear a lot in church. Um, and this probably isn't going to be on people's list of top sermons, but it doesn't change how important it is. The Word of God is not a list of suggestions. It is ultimate truth given to us by God about how we are to live our lives. Uh, as I was studying for this, I wanted to search the Bible and make sure that this message wasn't just me saying what I thought about the subject or I'd heard before. Um, I've been in church my whole life, and so you know, I've heard countless things about giving and money and I didn't want those things to just be the things that I, I, I spoke about, but I wanted it to come from the Word of God. Uh, if you are not reading the Bible, you will not get God's wisdom. We can't know how to live as Christians if we are not bathing ourselves in God's Word. My daughter, Aria, is learning to play the piano. Um, she is supposed to practice what she learns in her lessons. This week... She was practicing and she was getting frustrated that she was messing up. Um, she had been practicing maybe five minutes, probably less. I had to tell her that you don't get good at piano by playing it once and then you just know it. It takes a lot of repetition. My skill at soccer, um, whatever skill that I have attained, it didn't just come because I like to watch soccer games. I spent countless hours with a soccer ball on my feet practicing. The same thing is true with God's Word. I can't read a passage once, and magically I'm going to be able to change my behavior. I need constant reminders from the Word how I should be living my life. The more I read the Word and let it burn into my mind and heart, the greater chance I have that it will change my life. Uh, so our first passage today is in Proverbs. It's written by the wisest man ever, and it's uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. A bunch of my passages today are kind of long, and I'm going to try not to read them fast. Um... You know, when Justin was here, when he would preach, he would go through some of his passages so quick. And I would tell him, be like, you got to slow down. That's God's word. But like now that I'm up here, I'm like, I got to get these down so I don't go 40 minutes because my wife's the Kidsman director and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> um, I think in that passage, I would really like to focus on verse 9. But I think the preceding verses show us a parallel truth. Trust and have faith in God's wisdom. It is better than our own. I believe this is central to a full understanding of giving and how we are to handle our money. Uh, our first point today is we must start with trusting God. 
There are so many things that we put our trust in. We trust that our cars are going to stop when we press the brake pedal. We trust that we drop our child off for school, sports, gymnastics, band, that the person in charge will keep them safe. There are countless other examples where we trust, sometimes without even realizing it. Why is it that we think we know better when it comes to the things that God tells us? Why do we try to convince ourselves that that our very limited understanding of the world around us is greater than God who created it? Maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is, do I actually trust in God? When I say I follow Jesus, I am saying that I trust that Jesus is God and he came down as a man to pay for the penalty for my sin by dying on the cross. Conquering death by coming back to life three days later. It's that truth you believe. If that's the truth you believe, then living like the Bible tells us is expected. Um... You know, we can't go through life saying, if I feel like it today, I'm going to show some love and kindness. Or I'm going to be rude and blunt because that's just my personality. That's how God made me. That's just how I am. Um, This one might hit home for some. Uh, For those people that say, I'm not a Christian before my coffee. Um, I think somehow we rationalize our minds that it's okay to not behave, um, or it's okay to behave contrary to the Bible. Um, but that's not what we're called to. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to do the will of God. The renewing of our mind happens by reading God's word. We need to trust in God not only to transform how we act and think towards others, but practically in how we use our resources, our wealth. Our arrogant human nature often tries to tell us that we know what we're doing but the creator of the universe is telling us that we can't trust that, that we have to start with trusting God. Uh, let's go down to verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, your first fruits. The first fruits phrase concept uh, is brought up many times in the Old Testament. Exodus 23, Deuteronomy 18 and 26 uh, is a big part of the Old Testament law. The first fruit is what was required of the people of Israel to be given back to God. First fruits is exactly as the word is written. The first of what we earn um, is what we should be honoring God with. I know some may scoff at the term wealth and think, I'm not wealthy. I can barely scrape by. Uh, wealth here is not a term um, that is used just about money. Wealth is everything that we have in this world, all of our possessions. Um, you know, and I can, I can understand that. My wife and I, we have a mortgage, we have car payments, we have student loans. Um, it can be very tempting sometimes to look at what we give to church and say, oh man, it would be nice to have that in the checking account. Um, you know, maybe this month we won't do it. Um, we have never succumbed to that temptation. Um, and God has always taken care of us. Uh, a few months ago, some different bills came in. I think it was probably like deductible for the beginning of the year for insurance. Um, so, you know, there's a bill you don't always expect. Um, out of the blue, we got a check from our mortgage company. Um, something got calculated wrong or whatnot, who knows. Um, but it helped with those bills. Um, we need to honor God with what he has given us. So the wisest man ever tells us in Proverbs to honor God with our possessions. The Old Testament has multiple examples of what it looked like for the Israelites 
to honor God that way. Uh, let's look at what Jesus said. Uh, the first passage is Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, there are two things I kind of want to highlight in this passage. The first one is that Jesus doesn't say, if you give to the needy. He says, when. Jesus expects that we are going to give to people that need, are in need. Number two is that we should not be making a spectacle of giving. If you want people to know how much you're giving or how often, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. God wants us to give because we love him and are honoring and glorifying him by being obedient to his word. A few verses later, 19 through 24, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus gets it right to the heart of it, quite literally. Point number two is that our hearts must be fully devoted to God. Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in fun toys, boats, RVs, quads? Is your treasure in making sure that you have as much money as possible for your retirement account? Are you sacrificing giving to the church for those things? The amount doesn't matter. It matters what's in your heart. Our actions and what we value show us where our heart is. The end of verse 24 captures it succinctly and without ambiguity. You cannot serve God and money. Um, later in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, um, money's brought up again. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, and had, uh, for he had great possessions. Uh, was this verse trying to tell us that Jesus is saying, Sell everything you have, and that's how you get to heaven? No, Jesus knew this man's heart. His heart was not given to Jesus and God. It was tied to his possessions. If we go a little bit further, Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. 
And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. As I read this, I thought, that really seems like an American thing that we would do. I got too much stuff, so I'm going to build something bigger to hold it. The rich man worked at being comfortable and having everything set to live his life. But verse 20 comes along, and I can't help but imagine how God says that verse. Fool, your soul is required of you. Uh, God could say that to any of us. Not a single one of us knows how much time we have left here on earth. We all know we can't take our stuff with us. Why do we continue to focus on the material things of this world so much? Uh, Next passage. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Both Matthew 19 and Luke 12 answer, at least in part, why I think we focus on the materials so much. The verses directly after uh, those passages that relate to money talk about being anxious. Jesus tells us that God takes care of those things for us. The animals of the earth are taken care of. How much more will he take care of us? Um, He tells us what to do. Verse 31, seek his kingdom. Our hearts must be fully devoted to God. Verse 33, sell your possessions, give to the needy. Verse 34, again, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart must be fully devoted to God. Some of you may have noticed that so far the verses have talked about um, the needy, giving to the needy. Does that mean we don't give to the local church? Absolutely not. I don't have time to look closely at those passages, um, but they're, they talk directly about it. You can do the next slide. Uh, Luke 10.7, 1 Corinthians 9, and 1 Timothy 5. Here it is. Uh, I'll talk about how we are called to take care of those who preach, um, which today would be the local church. Our staff here works very hard providing preaching, teaching, guidance, wisdom, 
all the way from the littlest of the littles to the oldest of the old. Um, I also want to mention that any of our giving that comes in is not just for staff in the building. Um, we support uh, Roots Church. We give money to our district, which helps, helps other churches and helps plant, plant churches. Uh, we give to the Great Commission Fund of our district, which uh, provides money for missionaries so they don't have to raise money. They can just do their ministry where they are. Um, we have equipping events where we are pouring into you guys trying to um, talk about a certain topic, about what it looks like for us to grow. Uh, we do reaching events that we are trying to reach new people for Jesus. We do every 12th where we are out serving. Um, there's also uh, random benevolence requests uh, that we try to take care of. So we're not only supporting those ministering to at the whole of Jericho Road, uh, but the church should be a place where people in need come, can come to find help when they are in need. If the people of Jericho Road Church do not give regularly, we will not have funds available to help those that are in need. We would love to be a place where our neighbors, like our direct neighbors here, could come and ask for help when they are in need, and we would be able to not bat an eye giving them that help. Our neighborhood now is a uh, neighborhood association that I think our hope is we'll hear, that we will hear about needs um, before people come and ask, and we can just show them the love of Jesus by taking care of that. Uh, next up is 1 Timothy 6. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that accord with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an earthly craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these will we be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We are reminded again that the material world stays here when we die. But the key is verse 6, contentment with godliness. The definition of godliness is the quality or practice of conforming to the laws and wishes of God, reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God in the course of everyday life. Paul defines contentment in verse 8, having food and clothes. That's it. It doesn't seem like much, but that's what he's telling us it means to be content. God isn't interested in us having the nicest house. He doesn't care if we have fun toys to play with. He's not saying that we can't have those things. He tells us that we should be content with food and clothes. Um, and did you catch what verse 9 says? It does not paint a pretty picture when we choose to chase after the material things. Ruin, destruction, harmful desires, falling into temptation. It comes down to where our heart is. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Again, it's where our heart is. And what spot, number one, is the most important thing? 
Uh, a couple verses down, uh, 19 through 17, Paul tells Timothy exactly what he needs to teach the rich. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the certainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So for the rich, we're not supposed to look down on others, act superior, don't put trust in your wealth, trust in God, do good, be generous, be ready to share. Um, my last passage today is James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And yet... You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. None of us knows what the future holds. Um, I graduated from high school almost 25 years ago. And it does not seem like 25 years. Um, it seems like just yesterday I was um, a child and seeing my dad celebrate his 40th birthday party and think he was old. <laughs> and now I'm, you know, 43 and I don't feel old. Um, but <laughs> that is good. Uh, but life goes by quick. Um, like it says, it's a mist. Verse 17 is very blunt. If you know what you should be doing and are not doing it, you are sinning. You know, there's a lot of passages in the Bible um, that talk about how we're to live our lives, not just about giving. Um, and I think it's important also to go back to where I started at the beginning when it comes to studying the Bible. If we don't know those things, then we can't live our lives that way. And, and the Bible says that's sin. Um, we have gone over passages in the Old Testament, passages from Jesus, passages from the epistles that have all talked about giving and how we should treat our earthly possessions. If you are giving regularly, don't miss the point of these passages. God wants your heart and he wants it fully. If there is something that you have put in place of where God should be, you need to be aware of that. Do you put your kids and their well-being above all else? Do you care about what others think too much? Those are just as sinful as the person that is not giving their wealth. When we put anything above God, it is sin. Um, anyone who knows me knows I enjoy a good literal joke. So it has been hard for me to not want to clarify a lot through this message. Uh, I realize there's a lot of different scenarios and different situations that relate to some of the points today. I obviously don't have time in a sermon to talk about every little caveat that may be going along with something that I've said or something that the Bible talks about. Um, but I don't, I don't think it changes the point of what our response should be. Giving and being generous does not preclude us from having possessions and money. I don't want people to think that. Um, I think God does bless people to have wealth, but I think it's what you do with it 
and where your heart is in relation to that. Where is God on your priority list of your heart? If God is where he should be, then giving regularly to church and being generous with your material possessions will naturally flow out of that. If you don't give regularly and are not generous with God, um, with what God has given you, you are sinning. It's wrong. I know it's not popular to say that you're sinning, but it's the truth. The Bible tells us that. Um, So what is the takeaway? If you don't give regularly, start giving. Um, It doesn't matter how much, a dollar a week, 50 cents a week. Whatever it is, God tells us that we need to give. So start somewhere. Um, I didn't specifically talk, or on purpose, I didn't talk about tithing. Um, I believe that's an Old Testament concept. Um, There's some controversy about whether that really applies to us this day or not. So I I didn't even talk about tithing, which is 10%. Um, But I I just want to focus on giving, because if you're not giving, you should be giving something. So start somewhere. Um, Talk to God. And find out how much you should increase that to. If you're starting at a dollar a week, hopefully you can find ways and in the future gradually increase that. If you do good, nope, if you do give, check your heart to make sure you are giving for the right reasons and if you should give more. I think the goal from leadership here is that any Christian that comes here would give regularly. Not because we need money, but because that is what God tells us we should be doing to make sure that God stays number one. If you are not a Christian, I hope you don't leave here thinking, they just want my money. Um, I don't want that to be the point of this message. Uh, Jesus loves you and came to earth to pay the penalty for your sins because he loves you. The Bible tells us to give because God is who should be number one prayer in our life not anything else. Oh, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Lord, I pray that each one of us can examine our hearts, compare it to the scripture, and decide what you are telling us we need to do. Um, I pray that you give us wisdom to know what that looks like. In Jesus' name, amen.